Welcome to Radius. So uh, this is a school has begun. So we're, uh, I'm sure if you're like my family, we were tired this week. By Thursday night, we just out of gas. I think just because you, your schedule changes and you try to get it all figured out. And you got to get up every morning at the same time. So it's a challenge. What we thought we'd do with the new, with the new year is take, take just some time. We'll take 11 whole weeks and, and talk about who we are, how our marriages work. It, maybe, maybe you're single and maybe you've been married once before. Everybody's going to be included in this process. We're just going to ask the question, as how were we made? How were we made to be? And then, then, then we're going to ask who these people are that live in our house that are younger than us. And how, how we, what are we supposed to do with them? Because how are they made? Because it's confusing when the six-month-year-old, six-month, can't be six-month-year-old. I think you have to be, just be six-month-old. <laughs> Half a year old. Uh, is keeping you up all night or continues to want to stick his fingers in the socket. I mean, there's this, this question is, how is that rascal made? And we're, we're going to spend 11 weeks and, and just talk about it. Uh, let me pray and we'll, we'll chat a little bit. Jesus, excited about this. It seems important. Um, here at Radius White Knoll, we've talked about some of this before. It seems like something we need to say over and over. I need to be reminded. It seems like. Lord, you uh, reminded your people over and over that uh, they were yours, that you made them. So, so help us in the process. Encourage us um, as we remember some stuff that we already know and teach us some new stuff, Lord. Help us to uh, live it out. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. So Cheryl and I are buying a house. We have not owned a house in seven years. Yeah, we're sorry about that. So that process is, is interesting because, uh, for one, it costs money, which is never one of my favorite parts. Uh, two, you find out how much junk you got, right? So Cheryl and I, we love each other our whole lives except for three week, days when I'm moving our junk because I don't like our junk and she likes our junk and we, uh, we, we, have, we differ on that. But I love her, so I got to get over it. But anyway, there's, a, there's just this variety of things that have to happen when you buy a house. And we're in that process. Some of y'all have asked about us moving. Here's some good news. We are not losing the Radius house, just in case that's something that bothered you for some reason. I don't know why that would bother you, but it's the Radius house. Actually, we're moving in somebody who's younger and more prepared to handle people in the yard all the time. And Never mind, in my yard all the time. Derek and Tessa are actually going to move into the Radius house. <laughs> So what we got going on is that nothing's really changing. I'm still going to be a part of Radius White. No, I am acting a little bit more like a head coach lately because I, I was at, the guy at Salute, I spoke at Salute last week, and Ross called me the head coach. I'm like, I like that. Call me that. I want to be the head coach. But, uh, and Derek's carrying a lot of weight, and we have others who carry weight here, but nothing's really changing, but we are moving houses. So we had to do a home inspection. I don't know if you've had a home inspection done. Maybe somebody in here is a home inspector. Don't be offended, but y'all drive me crazy because you tell me how this beautiful house I'm about to move in is all jacked up. That's, what, that's their whole job. They come in, and they, they, he had 15 major things that were wrong. I'm like, bro, don't even bother with the minors. If there's 15 major things, should I? it's just depressing. You're going, this, this is going to cost me a lot of money. It's going to take me 30 years to pay for it, and it's already got problems because you, you want to know. Is it, what is wrong with this thing? I'm going to spend all this money. You want to know, does it, is it healthy and how was it made? Well, it turns out you can have stuff wrong with you and you can still be really healthy. 
And as a matter of fact, the guy, when he was done looking at our house, said, this thing's got really great. It's a great house. It's got great bones, but it's got some issues. And these issues need to be addressed. One of the really cool things he did was he would go around the house and he would look at the air conditioner unit and he would pull out the serial number and he would read the serial number. He'd tell me how old the air conditioner unit was. He'd tell me how much it would cost to replace it. So he'd give it value. And it was really helpful to know how the house was made. Who made it and how did they make it and was it made correctly? Well, there's, there's this incredible attack being made on mankind right now. Me and you. And the attack is against how you were made. So my air conditioner unit has a serial number. If I bought you a little, a little uh, stuffed animal, it'd have a little tag. Or we could pull the tag out of, of my new group shirt just, just to sell groups a little bit. Derek wants one now. But anyway, the, the, my group shirt, there, it, you would see where it was made. Hopefully it's made in the United States, but probably Bangladesh, right? It's going to say where it was made. And some of them will have the date. And sometimes it'll even have the value on it. I want to just propose something. Everybody in this room's got a tag on them somewhere. I don't know where it is. You can search when you get to the shower. Not pre- don't do it in front of us, but you got this tag on you. And it tells where you were made and how you were made and what, for what purpose. But the enemy wants to, to take that tag and rip it off. He wants, he wants to convince you that you were made by chance. So, so that he could steal the intrinsic value that God placed in you. We've talked about this before, and it is just core to Christianity. So we're going to talk about it again today. Before we can ever talk about marriage or family, we've got to talk about how we were made. One of the things, we, if you've been at uh, Radius for a while, you will know this little, this little uh, phrase we use. We call it the IOG. So some of y'all remember when we called it that. It's, it's, it's short for the image of God. We, uh, we believe that every man, every woman was made in the image of God. And so if you were to pull on my tag, wherever it is, and you were to pull it back, it would say, John Reeves made in the image of God. Genesis starts off like this. It's the first book in the Bible, if you're not familiar with it. And, and the very first thing in the whole Bible, it says this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Very simple statement. It, it, it's interesting because he says, in the beginning. Only God could write something that says in the beginning because God holds time in the palm of his hand. That's how big my God is. He puts time in the palm of his hand, and he says, in the beginning of time, that little thing on that little planet that I created around that medium-sized star back in the day, in the beginning of time, <clears throat> God created the heavens and the earth. There's this uh, important question I need to ask you. Do you believe that? So as a follower of Jesus, if you believe that this book is true, do you believe that statement? So what I don't want to get into is how he created it. There's a variety. I, I believe that he created earth in the literal seven days. And uh, I'm really comfortable with that. But there's some pretty godly guys that have a little different. But every, all of us agree that he created it. He created the heavens and earth. Do you believe that he created the heavens and earth? Because there's another argument out there, and it, it, that argument is that it was created by chance. 
right? That the, the earth came into existence and you eventually came into existence by chance. And on this side, we have this design argument where I believe there's this ultimate designer. We call him God with a capital G and, and he designed it and that's how it works. But let me just say this really clearly for those of y'all that are really confident on this side. It takes faith to believe that. Because I hadn't seen any video lately of God creating the earth. Unless y'all do. I mean, you got video evidence. I mean, there's some scientists on this side that believe in creation that argue for it tooth and nail. Some brilliant guys that would say it's almost video evidence. But there's some guys over here that would say the same thing. That, so when I was in middle school and I heard the teacher say, that, start explaining the Big Bang Theory, I, I laughed out loud. Because I believe this. Turned out that wasn't the wisest thing to do in eighth grade. You don't laugh out loud at the teacher. But then when I explain my side of the story and I read Genesis 1, just so you understand, there's tons of folks across the face of this planet that laugh out loud. When they hear that God created the heavens and the earth and they read Genesis 1, it is laughable, right? It's laughable that God created everything. Just so we understand, because I think sometimes we get on our side and we get so arrogant that we can't even have a conversation. So we just, you know, like slam the door so I don't have to deal with it. Instead, let's understand that both sides take faith. It's a, it's a really good place to start with somebody that believes that it all happened by chance. Let, just challenge their facts from the standpoint, I hear what you're saying, I understand how you got there, but you obviously believe that by faith because we got, you, got, you might have a few scientists on this side, we got a few scientists on this side, but, but none of us got video evidence. This happened before us. And so it's, it's this cool way to bring those discussions together and actually have a healthy conversation. The verses go on and they begin to explain how God created it, how he created the earth. Uh, I, I need you to understand that the enemy, for all he's worth, wants to tear down chapter 1 of Genesis. That's why evolution is here. That's, that's why that conversation over here by chance is there, because if he can tear down the moorings of creation, then he can challenge your very value, and therefore he can, he can attack the gospel and make you feel like you're not, you're not worth anything. Not only there's not a God, but if there is a God, you're not worth anything to him. So he, he got his pickup truck, a 1971 Chevrolet pickup truck. That's Satan. He's in it. And it's really loud because it doesn't have a muffler because he wants it to sound really powerful, but it's really running on like three cylinders. And he's got a rope, and he's got it tied to your beach house. And he's got one of those big pylons that come up out of the ground. He's got a rope tied around, and he wants to pull that pylon down. He, he's not that powerful. He can never take you out of being made of the image of God, but he might be able to convince you that you're not. It's not going to change anything, but he can tear the tag off and create this wound in you he could take the tag off of you and all your beans spill out, right? Because he wants to take an all-out assault on your value. He wants to convince you that you're worthless. He started in Genesis chapter 3. He started with a conversation with Eve, and he has not stopped. He is a mastermind. He's a master strategist trying to steal and kill. You read through the uh, creation account, it's, it's, it's crazy. I mean, there was no light, just stuff we take for granted. There was no light. God makes this sun, and, and, and it's just a piece of cake for him. He snaps his finger, there's a sun, and there's some planets rolling around. I'm not sure how many. They keep going between eight and nine. It gets me all confused. I don't know if Pluto is or isn't. We're all confused on that right now, but there's eight or nine of them, depending on which scientists you ask, that revolve around the sun, and this little kind of insignificant average rock 
in, in an average solar system, he decides to create all this stuff. He puts big oak trees on. Like in my, we got these beautiful oak trees in, in, in the new, the new Liferidge residence. It's, there's this, all this beauty across creation. He kind of goes through it. For the folks right here in Lexington, uh, you, we like verse 24 because this is what it says. The earth, the earth produced every sort of animal, each producing offspring. This is verse 24. Of the same kind, livestock, small animals that scurry along the ground, and wild animals. And that is what happened. God made all sorts of animals, livestock, and small animals, each able to produce offspring of their own of the same kind. And God said it was good. So God makes a giraffe, and he says, that's good. Look at that long neck. That is good on that rascal. Look at the spots on that joker. And he makes that little ant that bites the hound out of me, and for some reason, God's like, and look at that little rascal and the weight he can carry and how much pain that little sucker can. That's good, right? And then he created the deer and everybody in Red Bank like, praise God, we can worship now, right? <laughs> deer season. He made the deer and, and, and the beauty of the deer and its ability to run and, and whatever it is with us that loves to put his antlers on our wall. It's just like this, this beauty we all agree just looking at the animals not to mention mount everest and and um all the variety of creation and god looks at all the variety of creation and he said that that that's good it's like a painter painting on a canvas like uh i'm good because god's all glorious he can say that about himself check this out verse 26 and then god said let us make human beings in our image to be like us They'll reign over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and the livestock and the wild animals of the earth and the small animals that scurry along the ground. And so God created human beings in his own image, the IOG. In the image of God, he created them. He says it twice, three times in the passage. Male and female, he created them. I just want to rest there a little bit this morning to set the stage for what we're going to talk about for the next three or four months. He says that he made human beings in his own image. That's why we call our series Made. There's something really cool about being made by God. About looking down on my tag and saying that I was made in the image of God. There's also something really humbling about that. Because I didn't make myself. I didn't come from nowhere. I, I came from God, which means I'm lower than God. Which means he is sovereign and above me and I have to put myself under his authority if I agree that he made me. So you got to ask the question, do I believe it or do I not? Because what it says is that he made you. Uh, it's a Latin word for it. I, I read the Hebrew word and now I know why everybody uses Imago Dei. So when they, when they talk about in the image of God, folks often use this Latin word called Imago Dei. When you read the Hebrew word, you're like, let's use the Latin, <laughs> because I, I never could pronounce that. But the, throughout the history of the church, and, and before really, um, this phrase, um, this Latin phrase has been one that the church has used to explain the image of God. For our purposes, we call it the IOG, because all of us can remember that. Most of us will end up saying the Amigo Day or something like that. It's the Amigo Day. Amago Day. Uh, see, I already messed it up. Um, I want to read to you a definition of the Imago Dei, the image of God. This is by Matt Chandler. If, you, uh, if you're looking for somebody great to listen on podcasts, this guy's excellent. Uh, I heard this definition by him uh, this week. God's investment in humanity of God-like glory and moral capacity to reign and rule the earth as his representatives. Let me, let me say that again. This is what the IOG is, the image of God, Imago Dei, Imago Dei. God's investment 
in humanity of God-like glory and moral capacity to reign and rule the earth as his representatives. So in each of you who are made in the image of God, there's this, there's this glory. It's odd. It's odd. Don't you hate to see it when a young man or a young woman has be- been beaten down so much they don't shine anymore? You ever notice that? They walk around with their head down because they have been abused to an extent. Their soul, somebody's been trying to steal their soul. And they lose that God-like glory that they carry. All of you carry. All of us carry. Regardless of our appearance or our personality or, or what, there's this thing that God gave us when he created us in his image that he didn't give to the lions. Right? They don't glow like mankind does. It's not difficult when you see a, a child who's been treated so poorly that he has lost whatever that is. He also says that out of uh, the image of God that we are given this moral capacity to reign and rule the earth. The lion doesn't have that moral capacity either, does he? Because when the deer comes by, what the lion going to do? He, gonna, he, he doesn't think about it. That's just instinct. He's going to take out the deer. But what happens when another lion comes along and comes into his, his area? What, what does the lion, he has no, he's not thinking about what, how we ought to deal with this, this, uh, this small or younger lion. It's just, it's just, let's get it on. It's just instinct. But somehow inside of man, God has given this, he's, he's made us in his own image. He's given us a soul and we respond to it. Genesis says it at the end in chapter 5. In chapter 5, the writer of Genesis wants to record all of mankind. So if it was, if it was me, my, my, my great-great-grandfather was named John Reeves, and my grandfather was named Carl Reeves, and my dad's name was Larry Reeves, and, and, and I'm John Reeves, and whoever it is, Jeremiah is out here at Reeves. When you would see this line of Reeves, and it just goes down. So he starts with Adam, and he, he walks it down. I used to love it because I just... These guys lived a long time. Methuselah lived 969 years. I was like, man, that joker. That's cool. I'm a stat guy, so I want to know how much the running back rate weighs. So I always love this passage because it's got all these stats, all these years. But check out the beginning of it. Verse five, uh, chapter 5, verse 1. This is, uh, this is the written account of the descendants of Adam, the first created man. When God created human beings, he made them like himself. The, uh, the New American Standard says he made them in the likeness of God. What? He created them male and female, and he blessed them, and he called them human. There's just this constant cry I want to make for the next three weeks that you were made. You were made by God. So we actually have this little, and we call it the family discipleship God. Whether you're single or single mom, whether you, you married and got six kids like us and the dinner table is always slammed, it's just this opportunity to work through just, got to listen, just a little workbook to help us lay the foundation block that, that we're made, but that we're made. This, the first week is actually about us being made in the image of God. Um, I want you to stew on that just a little bit. I don't know. We got any Georgia Bulldog fans in here? One. Oh, man, y'all in trouble. I'm going to pick on y'all. All right, all right, all right. Okay, so Bulldog fans, they've had a, a rehearsal walk. It, They've had some wonderful players, but they got this little dog they keep on the sideline. Anybody ever seen Ugga? Ugga 1, Ugga 2. What are we on now? Y'all know? 12. It's a bunch of them. But just a fat little bulldog that can't do nothing. Every once in a while, he bites a player when they run by. We've seen that a couple times. This is a little bulldog, and the bulldog nation loves Ugga whatever, right? 
Oh, there's just this, this, this infatuation with Ugga because, because I, mean, I don't know, he just, I'm sorry, he's just ugly. That's what he is. And he, he got all this stuff, and, and he represents the Bulldogs. You're a Gangpak fan. You're always wondering where Ugga is on the sideline. Over in India right now, I can assure you, because there's a billion people, there's a young girl, right? She's been alive for six days, and they're projecting her not to live anymore. And uh, she, she's only got six hours or six days left in her life. She's got some kind of disease, and she was born with it. Which is more valuable? Healthy Ugga or uh, six more days with baby girl in India? It's not even comparable. If we had to take Ugga's life, even if you're a bulldog fan or a little girl's life, there's, there's no comparison because the little girl was made in the likeness of God. And when we pull a little tag on the little girl in India, we see that she was made in God's image. When we get over here to Ugga, he don't have that tag. He's not made in the image of God. Now, we can have great value with Ugga, and we have fun with him. He's a great representative, and maybe you got some animals at your house that you love, but it ain't nothing like your kids. Ain't no comparison. We get, we get confused sometimes. All of a sudden, what the enemy wants us to do is devalue this, make it cheap. Make, make her seem like she doesn't have a soul because we can't see her and because she's a different color or a different nationality than us. We make her less valuable. That makes no sense because she was made in the image of God. We do all we can to extend her life even for a day. Not ugly. Not, not, not some dog or horse or, or whatever. I mean, they're valuable. But like we, can't, we can't like promote Michael Vick today, right? That's not what we're talking about. We can't have chaos because the Lord actually says we're in dominion over this place. So we're supposed to take care of Ugga and make sure Ugga eats. Obviously, Ugga eats. They probably feed that rascal too much. But that's my responsibility because we have dominion over this place. But he has no value like that. Certainly, you don't love your lawn like you love people, right? You don't cuss the guy that steps on your grass, do you? You think he's less valuable than your centipede? <laughs> Made no sense. But all of a sudden, it gets in us, and we become idolatrous, and we'll start putting something ahead of God in God's order, and we forget how it was all made. It goes on a uh, psalm. David wrote this psalm, Psalm 139. It's a, uh, it's a great psalm. I don't know if... If you've read the Psalms, but if you follow Jesus for a while, it'd be a great thing to do. Psalms is right in the middle. I used to be able to find it. If you open up your book, almost always, Proverbs, crud. Psalms, Psalms is almost right there in the middle. <laughs> and uh, they're just great ways to worship God. And David writes in Psalm 139, he says, I will give thanks to you, capital Y. I'll give thanks to you, God, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. So here's what I want to tell you. Tomorrow morning, you get up and you're shaving. You put makeup on, whatever. You look in the mirror and you go, thank you, God. Because I am fearfully, you can go like this if you want to. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Because a lot of times I look in the mirror quick because I, I don't really want to study that thing. I just want to make sure that I don't have anything hanging off my face. I want to get on out of here. I don't want to study it because sometimes it's a little depressing because there's all these blemishes and flaws. Everybody, there's no amen on that. Good grief. Oh, you don't want to amen me. Amen you. When you look in the mirror, it's just like... It can be depressing, and, and, and it's just is that. But what David says, which is just this cool statement because he gets it, and I want every middle school girl in here to hear this because the enemy constantly takes shots, particularly when you're young, but he keeps taking them when you're old. He continually is telling you that you're worthless and that you're flawed 
and that nobody could love you how you look. But that is a lie straight from hell. This verse says, this is the Bible talking, and it's a great follower of God. He says, I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. All you got to do is breathe in. You go, that's freakish. It just took oxygen in, and it went down into my lungs, and I can feel them expand, and it comes back out. Carbon dioxide. Carbon monoxide comes out of me. I don't know what comes out of y'all, but <laughs> comes carbon dioxide. That's, that's amazing. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. He goes on to say this, wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. He looks at himself in the mirror, and he says, praise God. <laughs> that's, that's a cool thing. Every middle school boy or girl, because it's a confusing time of life, your body's changing. It's just this, look in the mirror in the morning. You can quote God because he says that you're fearfully and wonderfully made. He loves the way you're made. He said, and, and what you can do, you're so well made, you can worship God for it. Some of y'all been through some stuff. And uh, there might have been a time when you looked in the mirror and you could you go, I was wonderfully made. I'm telling you what, them high jumpers that I just watched on the Olympics last night, they can look in the mirror and say, I got like 14 abs. They are wonderfully made, right? Because them jokers, they can jump out of the building. It's crazy. But, but maybe that's who you used to be. And now when you look in the mirror, you're like, uh, I'm not really sure that was wonderfully made. You say God's just consuming what this looks like, right? Now, that doesn't mean you can go home and pound, you know, a, a, a block of lard. You know, that doesn't mean that you can just disrespect. We have responsibility for this thing, and we can do things to take care of this thing. But at the end of the day, no matter what it looks like, God's determination on who we are is even, it's much bigger than just what it looks like. It's, it's, it's what's inside. And he looks at us as made in his image, and he thinks you are, uh, you're gorgeous, you had your little boy sitting on your lap when he was one. Remember how, how wonderful he looked to you. Your little girl, uh, when you hugged her before you put her to bed, just, just what a beauty. That's what God, when he looks at us, he, he, sees, he sees the blemishes on us, and he goes, that's how I made you. That ain't a blemish. That's how I made you. And there's a, uh, man, there should be some comfort for us in this room because when we pull on our tag, God gives us value. Read you that quote again. Image of God. God's investment in humanity of God-like glory and moral capacity to reign and rule the earth as his representatives. So back in the day when the Egyptian emperor would... Uh, would want to let a town know who he was, he would take a likeness. Somebody would come in and they would carve a sculpture of him and they would take it and they'd sit it in the middle of the city. It would be an icon so everybody would know. <laughs> if you were ugly, then you were just ugly everywhere, right? So if, if the emperor, he, he put his likeness everywhere so he'd be represented in every city. He, he was just that full of it. He thought everybody ought to see his mug. That's the, he put it everywhere. Well, God, who has a reason, right, to put his glory all over the world, he, he places that in you and me. And we're not talking about being a believer here because as a son of God, I'm his representative. That's why we named this radius, because I, I share the good news about Jesus to my neighbors. But every man, every single man is an image bearer for better or for worse. And in the middle of all creation, the oak trees and the lions, mankind is supposed to represent God. It's a shocking definition. And tons of responsibility. 
Genesis chapter 9, another thing the, the writer writes, it's, it's interesting, Noah uh, is just, just getting off the boat, and uh, God's giving him some instructions, and here's what he says. Chapter 9, verse 6, if anyone takes a human life, that person's life will also be taken by human hands. What does that mean? If you were a Republican, you're like, oh, I knew it was in the Bible, capital punishment. <laughs> Ain't really what it's about, though, is it? it, it it's putting value on mankind. He's saying, if anyone takes a human life, the the person's life will also be taken by human hands. For God made human beings in his own image. What's the writer really trying to establish? How valuable your life is. How valuable your neighbor's life is. How valuable the poor little girl in India's life is. If you take one of those lives, you're accountable with your own life. That's the only thing of infinite value that could be taken to replace that. It's the only equal equal. That's why uh, when it comes to voting, abortion's a big deal to me. Because I think when I look down at that little tag on me and it says created in God's image, I don't think it says 92667. 13-year-olds in the room just figured out how old I was. But 92667. I think my mama and dad and God, they know what the real date is. It was when I was conceived. It was when I became an image bearer. It's when I started this existence on this earth by God's design. And as he told Adam and Eve to multiply, we won't do any math on what multiply means, but he told them to multiply and fill the earth. And my mom and dad were still carrying that out. And and they, they and God made me. And so abortion just this assault against the image of God because it makes life less valuable. And it starts to steal our soul. What does that mean? I'm sure we have multiple people in here that have had an abortion. (laughs) Man, I'm really glad you're here. This is a great place to be because that's who we are. We're people that have made mistakes. We have fallen into sin. We're a mess. And we gather here as messy people and humble ourselves before the Creator. And we just keep going back to how we were made. We'll talk about it honestly so that we can not make the same mistakes twice. But this is just a great place to be. But, but our, our world has kind of lost its mind. It's actually confused our people by stealing the value. Who do you think is behind all that? The enemy. The enemy trying to make you feel worthless. So he can, he can eventually get you so full of it, so full of despair. You know, the more despair, the, and when I'm in despair, I, I think about myself more and more, and Jesus comes more and more out of the center. I can't even consider him as an answer. What do you think the porn industry is all about? Trying to get dudes, primarily, though, it, though it, now it's, it, it crosses men and women, trying to get us to view women as if they have no soul. So to make them meat instead of human. To take the tag off of her as an image bearer of God, made in God's image, and make her meat. And then, then over the course of time, you, you don't think that's eroding our society? So the little kids at the middle school or the high school, the little dude, because of what he's seen already in the virtual world, he says stuff he should never say. And he tries to steal the identity of a young lady by his words. You think this is new? Technology's new. This has been going on since creation. Since man left the garden, there's been this assault on us being made in the image of God. All the race conversations that have gone on lately. You think that's new? That's been going on. You can read about it in this book. 
It's been going on since the beginning. If you are, uh, if you happen to be a white guy in this room, you probably don't fully understand how hard it can be to live in a primarily white nation. And shoot, we got unbelievable police officers that are part of this body, part of Lexington, part of West Columbia's, and we recognize their job can be incredibly hard, right? Incredibly hard. So we are for, for them. We do whatever we can to support them. And at the same time, both of our African-American pastors, one here and one at Lexington, both of them have been treated horribly when they were completely innocent. So, so let's just not be ignorant and act like this stuff doesn't happen. That's an assault on the image of God. That's, making, that's trying to make somebody, because of the color of their skin, less valuable. It, it's, it's laughable at some level because, because how in the world do I think that color right there makes me more valuable? I heard Tony Evans preach the other day. He's one of my favorite preachers. Cheryl got tired of him because I listened to every one of his uh, cassette tapes. Some of y'all don't know what those are. But uh, <laughs> when I was young, we'd drive. I'd listen. Tony yells a lot. Cheryl eventually get tired of yelling. But uh, he quoted Revelation chapter 7. I, I never know. I've read it. I never noticed this before. This is what it says. Chapter 7, uh, verse 9. It's actually... Uh, the writer's writing about what's going on in heaven. He says, "In this I saw, uh, after this I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language, standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. And they were clothed in white robes, and they held palm branches in their hands. And it's like a party celebration of worship. And they eventually they roar, salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. It's like a huge crowd at the game, and, and they're, they're worshiping the Lamb. Who's the Lamb? Jesus. Jesus is on the stage, and he is the show. There is no other show, and it's this worship. Everybody's agreeing. Everybody's saying it as loud as they can. But you know what it says? It says, in that line, Mr. Lifers right here is going to be a black man, and I'm going to be a white man. Because the nations are here, and we're not going to care, but we're comfortable with who we are because God made us. And we both got a sticker on us that says made in God's image. There's something so foolish among us that would think that all the white people are in the front. That's the dumbest thing I ever heard. Or you could think all the black people are in the front because life's been hard. Or you could think all the Hispanic people or Asian people. There's just this weird thing that elevates us because of our skin. You think all the Americans are going to be in the front? kind of guessing we're going to be in the back because we gave away like two percent of all the wealth that god gave us we weren't generous maybe he put us in the back row if anything he ain't gonna put us up in the front row there's this confusion that kind of immediately sinks into us because we want to try to find a way to elevate us but what makes us valuable is that tag on you that you were made in the image of god don't make it something silly that robs from your value that's exactly what the enemy wants to do he wants you to st- to be on your way to despair so that when you look in the mirror, you see a loser. So that when you look in the mirror, you got to find something wrong with somebody else just to try to get a little moment of value. You got a friend like that? Every time you're around them, they tell you something that's wrong with you. It's almost as if they're trying to make sure they're valuable. But the scriptures is trying to argue for the people of God. We're supposed to be the ones that get it. Value is assigned by the creator. That's how we were made. So the guy who has a bunch of cash or the guy who, who struggles to make a living, all the same, 
made in the image of God. The Indian guy that lives in a village over there right now with another billion people, he has as much value to God as I ever did. We're equal. As a matter of fact, our nation was supposedly founded on that. We didn't execute it very well for a while. But, but we said that all men were created equal. Do you believe that? Well, the Bible says it. So it's, it's not just, I mean, our Constitution is cool and I'm for it. You know, that's, that's, that's what governs us. But I, I care more about what was written in here. And he says that we're all created equal. Doesn't mean we all get the same stuff, but we're all equal because we were made. We're made in the image of God. And, and the only way for us to go forward and know how to lead a family or love a wife or love anybody is to recognize where we come from. So the verses go on, and I don't have time, but we'll get it next week because we're going to take three weeks on this because he starts with, so God created human beings in his own image, the IOG. In the image of God, he created them, IOG. Male and female, he created them. Next week, we'll talk about being made male and female, which should be pretty funny because (laughs) we're pretty different, right? We're pretty different. There's this cool thing about you ladies in the room. There's... I always think God saved y'all to last because y'all are so complex. I mean that as a compliment, just so you know. I mean, I mean that as a compliment. And, and what I want, want you to hear, all of you, but particularly the younger ladies in the room, is that complexity, I mean, that's, that's like the complex things in our house. We set up on the shelf because of their beauty. Now, they, they might be a little more fragile, but their beauty is, is because of all the complexity. There's all these little different things on there to break. And one of the things is we, we'll, we'll study this next week when we look at how I was created as a man, as a male, is, is this honor to protect the beauty that's up on my shelf. It doesn't, doesn't, it, it doesn't make us any different. We're created completely equal, right? But God created us male and female as part of the beauty of, his com- of this conversation. That's why, that's why it's my job. And as a young man, if you're a middle school deal, we always have to deal at Radius White. No, you protect the girl at school. You'll be up on stage the next week, right? We're going to celebrate you and somebody's going to take you to eat all you can eat somewhere. We're going Sheely's or whatever you want. We're going to do it because we need some young men to have honor that, that will stand up for the, for the ladies in their life as opposed to trying to steal their souls to pleasure themselves. We'll get to that next week. Let me just close by, by this. The enemy, for all he's worth, is trying to take your tag. He will never, he will never be able to change the fact that you were made in God's image. He can't. He can't. He's not strong enough. But he could just tear that tag off. And I'm going to tell you something. That tag would create a wound. <laughs> if you were a little doll with some beans in it where he tore it, there might be a few beans that come out. It creates this wound and it begins to create this confusion. And our world is full of confusion on this very subject. Whether we are made in God's image and whether we are made male and female. Just the simple beginnings. And he wants to steal that from you. So that you will not accept his sacrifice to have a relationship with you. Here's how valuable he, when he sees infinite value on your little tag and In the garden, we'll get to it on week three, where he had to create separation between mankind and himself because of his holiness. He wanted to do whatever it took to save you because you have infinite value to him. And so that's why we do the Lord's Supper every Sunday. We remember that Jesus died, his body was broken, and his blood was shed because the almighty God, the creator that we just read about, he thinks that you're amazing. 
But he had to save you because you're a sinner. He had to come grab you out of where you were and give you the opportunity to have a relationship with him because he, Adam and Eve chose to break that relationship. We'll get to that in a few weeks. So today, we worship the God who can create it all. So we got plenty to sing about. But we also worship the fact that he would sacrifice his son so that he could again have a relationship with us and solve the problem forever because that blood covers my sin yesterday, today, and forever. Mm. Let's worship. Jesus, listen to us as we worship. Establish in our heart. Don't let this onslaught, this river of information that would challenge us on whether we were made in your image or not. Overwhelm us. Lord, help my young brothers and young sisters to swim upstream against that torrent that would uh, steal their soul. Lord, help some of us that have a couple years on us. Help us to be solid for those around us. Help us stand strong against all the lies that would confuse the people we love around us. Are we going to worship? We do it every week. Many of us do it on a daily basis in our own homes. We worship because we recognize we were made. We, uh, we are humbly coming into your presence and saying we, we are far below you and we think you're great. Listen to us now as we sing. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen.